Good afternoon, my name is Naomi Murney, it's 2 p.m., and you're listening to Radio Moon on CKUT 90.3 FM. Today's episode will be part of a three-part series on the student experience with isolation conducted through interviews that will tackle the subjects of relationships, mental health, and unlikely connections during the time of confinement. Today, I'll be airing interviews from two international art students who will be talking about their experiences entering the world of university and exiting that of high school in Spain and France, respectively. They discuss studying online, adapting their artistic mediums to digital platforms, and the effects of the pandemic on student mental health. You can listen to episode one of this series, The McGill Diaries, on the CKUT website. In our final episode, I'll be talking to students entering and exiting the system, those who are applying to and graduating from college in the midst of the pandemic. This is the COVID Campus Chronicles. Episode two, The Global Classroom. I use he, him, his. I study digital arts or arts, and I am from Spain, Barcelona, and I'm living here right now. So kind of isolation is a very general term, but when talking about isolation, I'm referring to a period of time during COVID within this past academic year when you've been forced to isolate yourself or keep in limited contact with other people for a period of time. Do you feel as if you've had moments of isolation during the COVID-19 pandemic? If yes, when and for how long? If no, why not? So definitely, I've had, I feel like the main events have happened, well, the main parts of this have been one during the general confinement that we all had back in May, March, etc. That one I would consider as the biggest isolation, but then I went through COVID um, a month ago and I had to confine myself from my family and that was, mm, the next level to say, because during the general confinement, I at least have my family around me. And in this case, it wasn't. So I definitely have experienced isolation during this COVID pandemic. And I feel like that's a general feeling for a lot of people on the planet right now. Yeah, for sure. Could you maybe, um, a lot of our listeners kind of are from all over. Could you tell me a little bit more about what confinement was like in Spain when it started, kind of what it included? Oh, definitely. So, um, I can say I'm lucky in this scenario because I have experienced both of the confinements in both places. So I will give you um, the views from both sides. So starting the general confinement, I spent it in Boston, in Brooklyn. And that was like, that was a confinement. But at the end, it was nice because people could get out in the streets and walk at least. Here in Spain, there is a culture of uh, spending a lot of time outside with people and houses don't usually have that much space. So when the confinement started, people were literally staying in houses that were very small, that were not actually um, appropriate for living that much time in houses. So there's people that might have stayed in, I I don't know, (laughs) 
a house with two rooms or a, generally apartments with two rooms during the whole confinement. So I feel like I'm, I'm lucky in the scenario that people here have, in my experience, compared to people kind have had a rougher time, at least in the theme of space. And then when I was confined here from away from my family and staying in my room consistently, I like sort of experienced that I was confined for 10 days. And I was like, Jesus, like there's, so I can do a lot of stuff, but at the end, the, the environment is so constant and <laughs> it just stays there. And there's just like an aura of like, I need to get out and I'm like so alone. Ah. So yeah. I feel like in Spain, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could you, when you were in Spain, were you allowed to go outside um, during the confinement and for how long or were there limits or was there a curfew? Mm. So people were, so it came in waves. The first, so people were definitely allowed to go walk their dog and shop, but there was an exception that only adults could do that. Kids were not allowed to go outside. Kids were not allowed to go shopping. Kids were not allowed to walk their dog because, well, Mm, thinking about it I I suppose they said like okay kids will join together because they're kids and then we just like propagate the virus and just mm, send it all over but I feel like that was especially rough for little kids like so we were able to go outside but only adults for a long time and then we were able people were able to escape a little bit from their houses but only with the excuse of going shopping shopping or having your dog with you there was no other scenario. You cannot go for a walk. You cannot do sport. So, yeah, I feel like <laughs> that explains it. Those were the only two scenarios you could go inside for a medical emergency, of course. Yeah, that sounds really difficult. And adults would be people over the age of 18 or 16 or what was kind of the cutoff? 18. I would say 18, 20. Yeah, that age. So a lot of teenagers were kind of like <laughs> stuck in their teenagers homes. Teenagers and yeah, teenagers and, and also like what mm, impacted me the most were little kids. Like imagine having your five-year-old staying home all the time when <laughs> it needs to run. I'm going to talk about it like if it were a pet <laughs> because I haven't <laughs> had a kid, so I don't know how to refer. But well, I have younger siblings, so I, I know a little bit about this. So my sister, like ha- being confined, it was horrible for her because she was like, I want to get out. I want to do this. I want to be with friends. I want to, I don't know, go to the fountain. I want to climb over stuff. And having your five-year-old home all the time, like, I don't know what effect it might have in the future, but but it's crazy. I don't know. It impacted yes. me a lot seeing how people were not able to go outside, especially kids. Definitely. Could you also maybe talk a little bit about when you say how it impacted you? Could you also maybe talk about kind of how it impacted maybe your mental health, being isolated in a very small space mm-hmm. and also being isolated alone yeah. for a period of time? So... Mm, mental health wise I definitely like <laughs> had a big um push when it comes to to the confinement and isolation I already had my different variables that were bothering me on my day-to-day my different anxieties etc and the confinement definitely propagated it like I understood definitely that it was um it was a thing that we had to do to save a lot of people but I was definitely not in a good scenario I um I almost got hospitalized in the general confinement because it was very, very bad. Um, but slowly, I don't know. But I, I take two things away from the confinement. I take that one part that I was, I got really bad, really repressed, et cetera. But at the same time, it definitely formed me a lot of how I am now. A lot of decisions that I thought were 
relevant, like, oh my God, I'm going to go to this university, this, I want to do science because I don't know, it's important, et cetera. Totally took a different curve and totally took me to say, okay, just enjoy art. I like science, but I'm, it stresses me out. And I don't care about the university where I go to. Like at the end, I just want to study what I want. And so at the same time, I'm like so thankful for the confinement because it definitely left for a time of self-reflection, even though there was also like um, some pain in there. But I feel like that's my experience with confinement. Yeah, thank, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, do you feel like maybe, I don't know, were there, uh, were there systems of support that were provided by your university or maybe by your city? for maybe students or people who are struggling with isolation? I unfortunately have not encountered many. I like, I wish there were more because it was, it was such, it's such a relevant thing nowadays, you know, and especially now um, news came out a little ago that the suicides in Spain had increased by a number because of the aftermath of people being in confinement, et cetera. And I do believe that as much as we're putting a lot of effort in the vaccines and et cetera, and all of that, I feel like we also should put an effort in the mental health of people because it's, it has been stag like stigmatized in the past, but at this point, it's just so such a big problem and such a big thing that we need to recognize because people are, people need support in this. I have my support now. I go to therapy and I happily say to everyone around me and in Spain, like, it's not as common to go to therapy. A lot of um, families stigmatize it. And so it's, it's even more important to normalize it here. Yeah, so I feel like there's a big cultural element in terms of access to like mental health support. Definitely, because the Spanish culture is a lot about being with family, being happy. That's just like the image that people have in their minds. And so when it comes to mental health stuff, and things that come out of the um, general experience and not stereotypical, but just common family experience in Spain, as to say it, it starts to become, it's not recognized. It might be just like, they might say something like, oh, you're sad because of this, blah, 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 blah. But in the general things that I've encountered, people and parents are not used to their kids having mental problems or them recognizing their own mental health issues. Like I've, I've talked with my parents when, when I first started wondering to myself, maybe I have anxiety, maybe blah, blah, blah. And my parents were not super, um, super understanding, but not in a bad way. Like they just didn't, um, didn't experience and didn't um, aware themselves of the same feelings that I had because it was not common for them and their family. They, they just were used worse, like you're stressed, you're sad and blah, blah, blah. And at least now I sort of educated them in this stuff. And they're like, yeah, so I definitely had anxiety in the past or I definitely had this or that. So that's a, that's a thing in, in Spain that people need to start recognizing more of their mental health issues because it's not recognized, it's not a scene, but it's definitely there. It's just avoided a little bit, put in the back. Yeah. No, that's definitely understandable. Um, so kind of going back to maybe your ac academic life um, mm -hmm. during confinement, how did your university adapt to the pandemic? Were classes online? Were they kind of limited mm -hmm. 
interaction? I don't know. What did it look like? Mm -hmm. So my university, I think, which is crazy, I think it holds the um, award in Spain for the best um, management when it comes to COVID and classes, which is crazy. So at the start of the confinement, they installed, they spent a lot of money when it comes to um, devices and screens and cameras, et cetera, to make people home the most comfortable and most um, involved as possible in class. So in a, if you're in the physical class, you will have a screen of everyone's Zooms and you will see everyone's faces. And at the same time, the people in their houses will see the whole class, they will see the screen and they will see the teacher explaining. So in that aspect, it was good, but at the same time, the experience is not this, nowhere the same as being physically there, especially in an art degree where you need to paint, where you need to sculpt, where you need to do so much stuff. So the good part is that since the university recognized that an art degree needs a lot of um, people in the class and a lot of involvement, um, our online sessions have been in, as limited as possible as to say, I'd say that one third of the whole classes of the year were online. And so the rest we were able to, with precautions of course, to go to class, to do our sculptures, do our paintings, do just learn. But for example, classes that were like history, art history or philosophy were definitely um, done online and in everyone's houses. So in that aspect, I, I, I was able, and I'm very grateful to have that physicality there and have been able to make friends and have been able to just see people face to face because I definitely have friends of mine that have been the whole year studying home. The whole year, the classes were online and they have not had fun at all. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, you said that about a third of your classes for you were virtual. Do you feel that virtual mm -hmm. classrooms made the learning process easier or harder for you? For me, definitely the answer is harder. I feel like there's such um, learning, like for me, what I realize is learning doesn't only come from words. It comes from mm, the place you're in, the environment, the verbal, the nonverbal, um, Oh my God, the nonverbal language when it comes to lear learning and explaining. I don't know how to explain it. Like a thing that I viewed is that teaching is so much more difficult than I expected. Teaching like requires you to absorb your um, students' attention into you. And I feel like being virtual and being behind the screen while a student has a different environment, which they call home and which they just stay with their phones or read or do other activities definitely complicates that attentive that is needed to get um, the information you need and to understand it well. And I definitely encountered this because when I went to uh, physical classes, I started learning more, I started getting better grades and I was like, whoa, what's happening? And for me, it was this, it was, I'm just learning so much more <laughs> and I'm, I'm being able to, to access an environment where it's where it's dedicated to learning only and not to a lot of other activities in my house. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's a pretty generally shared sentiment among students who are online. Um, if you were maybe struggling with something where you wanted to talk about, I don't know, something in your class, how did you connect with mm -hmm. classmates and professors during the pandemic? So, yes, that's a good question. So my professors were mm, kind of available with email um, so that's something there, but at the same time, they were not <laughs> that available at all because an email can take time to get there. 
you don't get your question answered. It's not the same. But the good thing about um, COVID is I feel people have started to ally themselves when it comes to group chats and when it comes to um, classes, et cetera. And at least in my experience, because I was able to go physically one or two times in the beginnings of the year, I, I like already grabbed some people where I was like, oh, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? So I feel like I would say almost like 50% or 60% of the things that I've learned this year, thanks to my partners. And I've, I've, I have this philosophy that I already used in high school, which when I came out of high school and I was on my life outside, I was like, I have learned so much more from my fellow partners than from my teachers, not only in aspects of um, education, but in just life in general. And I feel like this definitely increased with COVID because not only you don't have your teachers in front of you and not only can you just go have a conversation face to face, but you have to just <laughs> grab to your fellow students for life so you can all pass the class. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so you said that you kind of talked to people uh, those one to two times you kind of were able to go to school early on. Mm -hmm. Do you feel as if maybe, um, uh, or maybe rather tell me what it was like meeting new people and making new friendships during isolation mm -hmm. and during confinement? Like what, what was different about it or what was the same? It was definitely an experience to say the least because I already had my little, um, oh, I'm like, I'm a little nervous to meet this person. Like we all have this kind of like, oh, I don't know anyone. The experience is so weird. I'm a little bit scared, et cetera. But now you have the new, what if this person has COVID? What if I like, blah 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 you know that was like a new thing that you put in the mix that definitely complicated everything and also a thing that is very funny to me is that what I've realized is that teachers have so much more trouble differentiating people with masks it's so funny um like and and I have teachers in my classes that still don't know all of the students names because of that which is it's crazy and teachers are also like shocked with this they're like oh my god this is so different this is like this has never happened to me but um, I feel like the element of COVID, unfortunately, also, um, at least for me and my experience, complicated a little bit the aspect of making friends, of um, being able to just communicate freely with people the first day of school. Because we were all, people were paranoid, indeed, with COVID and with all this stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you, I don't know. Here's like a sentiment I've heard from some people is that due to really wanting to make friends, but having kind of limited access to people, there was kind of a beelining into friendship where people would take sort of like any opportunity to be like, let's be friends. <laughs> Do you feel as if that was true to you? Was there sort of like a desperation oh. <laughs> for friendship? There, I feel like there definitely was desperation um, in some aspect, for sure. Um, it was... It was also very funny because not only was it that, well, we started university, it was a different year, but I also moved whole, like different countries again. So um, that was a different thing. Well, at least here I spoke the language. When I came to the US, I didn't, that was an experience. But when, when I came here, at least, um, not only was a little bit culture shock, but I was also so desperate that I just didn't care. <laughs> I just needed people, I just was like, I was so curious also to see what people were doing. And the good part is that when, when you at least start to go to university, 
you and depending on the degree you go in, you find so much more some oh my god sorry so many people that have the same tastes as you and the same curiosities at least when it comes to art like i hadn't found an environment that was so similar to what i had in my hair pick in my head pictured about art and and everything they were similar to me and that was crazy so for me um it was i had my desperation there but at the end it just was um overcome with with curiosity and stuff and i just kept calm but there definitely was an element of i want friends i want <laughs> my mental health is like in the trash i want to talk with people i feel like actually this is very curious i feel like a lot of the friends i made was because um we started talking about our struggles during covid this is this is a thing that i have encountered with the university and with different things at least in my artist aspect in spain a lot of the friends I've made were because we started talking and we immediately were like, started um, opening ourselves so much about our feelings and about how we experienced everything in COVID that we definitely made um, connections very fast and very long lasting. So I feel like it was the quickest friends I've ever made and the quickest good friends I've ever made. Like you can make friends quickly, but like <laughs> there's, there's a difference. And I, I was like, oh my God, these people are so good. And there's like, like I see myself with them for like years and years and years and I might have met them the first day but we just started talking about our struggles and how everything went and we just connected immediately with that and I feel like mental health is a connector in this kind of thing yeah so it sounds to me like maybe one of the benefits of kind of the the COVID experience is that it made people more willing to be like intimate because they needed someone to talk to <laughs> definitely definitely I feel like there was there's an increase of intimacy when it comes to friendships now and I appreciate it because I don't know it just makes everything so like you make good friends you make you find you encounter like you don't only see people as oh my god they're having a blast they have blah 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 you know this kind of like behavior that people see on Instagram where it's like this perfect image of you like, I feel like when, when I started university, that was, it, it was almost the opposite. It was almost like vulnerable, being vulnerable as much as possible, being like as authentic as you can be and like explaining your pains, which is something that you would not explain in Instagram. And I feel like it was definitely a different way of interacting with everything. It definitely changed a lot of how I view friendships and how I view them now and how I view people in a lot of ways. Yeah, could you maybe actually explain that in a little bit more depth? Like, how have your opinions changed on friendship? Mm -hmm. Like, what did it mean to you prior and what does it mean to you now, maybe? So I already had, so I already had a very good version of friendship when it came to being in Boston, which was definitely uh, a change where I had um, two of my best friends, Anjali and Claire, which I, I, I met and I was like, oh my God, what is this? We, we spent a lot of time together. Um, we cried together. We had a lot of laughs together. And when COVID started, um, like what, as I said earlier, we cried together. Like <laughs> I had my struggles, they had their struggles. And it was not like this kind of friendship where you're always optimistic, always there for wanting to have a good time. It was a friendship where it was like, it was a pillar. Like I described it as a pillar of, of my stability at some point. And, and I do describe it as that now. And that COVID definitely changed 
um, the definition of friendship to me. It's not only I'm having fun with these people. I like them. It's, it's, it's also like, I'm so, so, so sad that these people are willing to stay with me and willing to just talk to me for hours on end and just cry with me and we cry all together. And it's a mess, but we're so happy, you know? And when I came to Spain, I was like, I have, I had that version of friendship um, in my head. And I was like, I'm going to look for this. I'm going to look for, for vulnerability. I'm not only here for a good time, I'm here for um, supporting you and being with you. And that's how COVID, like, that's what I'm also thankful for when it came to the confinement, confinement and stuff, because every single time I went outside with friends, I was, I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited to be with you guys. I'm so going to explain everything. But at the same time, I was like, we can talk about everything. We can have our own therapy sessions, as they say. We can support each other mutually. We can see how all of us are doing. And we constantly check on each other now. It's it's like sometimes I just go to, to texting and I'm like, how's this person doing? And I'm like, how are you doing? Explain to me your life. And they can explain to me how they're having a rough time. And I'm just like giving my intake. They give me their intake on a problem of mine. And in that way, even though mental health has definitely... Uh, been affected by COVID, I feel like support systems have definitely increased as well, like an action and reaction. So that's yeah. how friendships have changed to me <laughs> with COVID. That's a that's a very good answer. Um, I'm assuming that you you kind of talked a little bit about Angela and Claire. And by the way, they're like <laughs> I'm assuming most of our listeners <laughs> doesn't mean anything. It's a two two good yeah, friends nice. too. Um, but that's okay. Uh, you arrived at college with existing relationships, specifically mm-hmm. pre-existing friendships and you know family connections and so on and so forth. How did you maintain those connections while you were in confinement or isolation? So this is a very good, <laughs> very good question. So I feel like we're very lucky when it comes to this because we have the digital world. And I feel like everyone has experienced this, um, this increase of wanting to FaceTime, of wanting to call, of wanting to text. Um, I feel companies are very happy now because everyone's texting and using their social media like crazy. Um, <laughs> but, um, I feel like the digital world definitely helped maintain these relationships with the people around me, my family, my friends, etc. And now it's, it's a really pretty thing because it's, it's breaking a lot of walls when it comes to not only long distance friendships, relationships and everything, but just in communication in general, I feel like people, um, like began to appreciate again, how much power and how um, useful social media can be. Not, not as much as a, a distraction if I post pictures, et cetera, et cetera, but as in terms of communication, which is what the phone was made for, communicating with anyone in any place in the world. And I feel like when it comes to this, um, it's definitely not the same as being in person with face-to-face with another person. There's just a whole different thing there. Like, it's a... Um, but it's still like an ability to communicate immediately with someone. You can be like, oh, I'm thinking about this person. I'm going to call them. And it amazes me how relationships are um, being taught and being um, normalized through digital media. It's definitely, it's, it's something that I'm like studying for and looking in when it comes to digital art, because it's definitely... It's very, very interesting um, to see how this will evolve. What will become the 
will our relationships face to face become then what we assume social media to be like the feeling that we have social media now it's it's intriguing but the good part is that at the end we my relationships have not decreased well they definitely have decreased a little bit when it comes to interactions because i'm not talking face to face i'm a very very nonverbal person i feel like a lot of language is caught in that but at the same time i feel like so much more if i didn't have FaceTime, if they didn't have uh, WhatsApp, if they didn't have text messages. So um, social media is shit sometimes, sorry for the swear word. But at the same time, I feel like as uh, it was a key tool for a lot of us if, when it comes to communication and confinement. Yeah, so I, I definitely agree with that. I think there's interesting because you talked a little bit about the duality of social media. Mm-hmm. And that on one hand, you're like presenting this image of your happy, healthy, best self. <laughs> which has nothing <laughs> nothing to do with what you're experiencing yeah. but uh on the other end of that you're you're able to maintain connections that you wouldn't have been able to mm-hmm. maintain otherwise yeah um well so you talked a little bit earlier about uh opening up to people and being able to make friendships because there was sort of like a a, a difficult challenge with mental health um and the kind of connecting with people as a support system. Um, what were other ways that you were able to ground yourself if you were, uh, when you were struggling with your mental health, like especially in such a small space or not being able to go outside? That's a very good question. So um, this is part of how I decided to go into art because for me, um, while I was in my room and while I was confined, I was like, let me try. I like started trying so many things. I learned how to, I don't know. Um, I started jump roping so much. I started, I built a swing in, <laughs> in the garden. I, I had, a, I, I made an actual garden with vegetables. Um, I did so many activities because I was like, you know what I have? That's, that's, that was a part of self-reflection. I have so much time. Let me see what I can do. Let me see what I can explore. And so, um, when it came into that, I started finding, well, I was curious and while I was anxious to do things, I started finding some things that actually grounded me a lot when it came to, to the confinement, to, um, to my mental health. And art was a big one of them. I stayed a lot of time painting, just being able to symbolize different things that were happening to me in a paper. Um, I started exploring different artists that had used mental health as a tool to express themselves in art. I started researching a lot. Well, Frida Kahlo is very typical. Yayoi Kusama. I, um, I've read her biography a billion times. I started to recreate her drawings. And, and then my final um, high school paper was actually uh, about how, um, well, it was a research about art therapy. It was, um, an involvement in a mix between science, art, therapy, um, and different artists and how they used it without even knowing. And I feel like those were the things that I found that grounded me the most. I found art grounded me the most when it came to my mind. I found that sport was a really big one too. Sport was a really big one too. And I feel people have encountered that. Um, But I'm so grateful because I found I found these grounding things that I use now day to day and that I have made my career even. Um, so 
while while confinement was rough, I feel like at, at least well, I said it before. I I took some things away, and art and therapy, art mixed with therapy was one one of them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for being very vulnerable. Um, kind <laughs> no, of, of course. <laughs> kind of our our last question ties into sort of what we mm-hmm. talked about already, but um what brought you joy during isolation? Uh, and what were ways of connecting with people that you loved or enjoyed during isolation, if there were? Oh, that's, this, this might be my favorite question. <laughs> so um, I feel like confinement have very pretty moments. They have very pretty moments because in the midst of it all, every single little detail that I encountered made me so happy. So different things that I'm... I made, I, w- I think I will begin talking with my family, then with friends. With my family, one day we, we were bored and we said, let's paint our car and go around Boston. So we literally took paint, um, like little kids paint because we didn't like actually want to <laughs> have the car painted forever. But we made handprints of all of us in different colors around our car. And then we took it around the city and see people's reactions and people were like, can we take a picture? Can we blah, blah, blah? That was so pretty. That was a way of connecting with everyone. And, and, um, and in some way, like, th- well, that was a thing that made me very happy. Then with my family, we did a lot of, um, so we're six in my family. So it was uh, definitely <laughs> an experience when it came to COVID. We came, we became so much closer together, which I'm very happy for. And a very funny thing is that we spend birthdays confined we spend um anniversaries this kind of things confined and for every single um event we somehow creatively celebrated for example one day we turned our whole living room into like a, a disco place with i don't know we had lights we had different things um and then for different birthdays or different dinners we said okay today everyone has to be has to go dressed as someone else in the family so you would see people running around the house grabbing clothes from other people. Another one that was very funny was um, we're all going to go um, to have dinner as pirates because we have fish sticks to eat. And so we were like, yeah, pirates, let's do it. And so I feel like those little moments definitely stay with me and definitely brought at least my family together, which people's experience might um, be different. But for me, that was a good one. And then when it came, when it came to friends, we had... Like, since we already communicated with um, Instagram and those kind of things, we definitely had different and more fun ways to interact and make sure that the other person knew that we were thinking of them. For example, I would grab my bike sometimes. So when we were able to go for a walk and go out, etc., I would grab my bike. I would go through the houses of my friends, have different letters, have candy or whatever, and put them there. Our graduation was canceled due to COVID. We planned a small version of a graduation in which, again, I was also (laughs) assigned to go with my bike all around Boston, Brookline, Newton, to put the letters and the invitations into people's houses. And we also planned like a small graduation, which was like feet apart, everyone with masks, et cetera. And we did in Lars Anderson, which was very pretty. And we also had moments where, for example, we would meet in the middle, when we were able to go outside, we would meet in the middle of the night and just walk in different sides of the sidewalk and just scream at each other and laugh so hard. So I feel like amidst of it all, I had really pretty moments with my friends and family that that brought me closer to them. Clap your hands and catch a fly, light an apple, shut your eyes, moisturize. 
things you're doing well Call a doctor about your health And I think you Oscar by London-based artist Matt Maltese. Coming up next, an interview with theatre student Marie from Angers, France. This interview will be conducted in French, so francophones get excited. Once again, you are listening to CKUT 90.3 FM, Radio Moon, Episode 2 of the COVID Campus Chronicles.
Alors, euh, je m'appelle Marie Fauché. J'étudie euh, le théâtre à Aix-en-Provence, donc dans le sud de la France. Lorsque je parle d'isolement, je fais référence à une période pendant le COVID au cours de la dernière année académique où vous avez été obligé de vous isoler ou de rester en contact limité avec des autres personnes pendant une période de temps. Avez-vous l'impression d'avoir eu des moments d'isolement pendant la pandémie de COVID, si ou quand et pour combien de temps et sinon, pourquoi pas euh... J'ai eu le sentiment d'isolement par rapport à, à mes amis plutôt. Euh, j'étais en fait j'étais isolée avec euh, ma maman et euh, mon frère pour la première, enfin euh, pour euh, notre premier confinement en France. Après qu'avec ma maman donc euh, et j'arrivais à avoir des contacts avec ma famille assez réguliers. Euh, en ce qui concerne mes amis par contre. C'est vrai qu'on a plus l'habitude de garder contact en se voyant, en faisant des choses ensemble. Et donc, je me suis sentie, euh, je me suis plutôt sentie seule quand je pensais à mes amis. Et euh, quand je. Comment Et euh, oui, quand c'était des moments que, naturellement, je passais avec eux dehors, etc. Et le fait de ne pas pouvoir sortir m'a beaucoup fait sentir euh, isolée. Donc, c'était plus pendant la première pandémie pour nous en France, on n'avait même pas le droit de sortir. Euh, que euh, pendant euh, les autres périodes euh, de confinement. Ah, je comprends. Et ça, c'était quand, la première confinement française um, The first one was en mars uh, 2019. Ah, ok. Uh, 20, 2020, sorry. <rire> T'inquiète. Et ça a duré combien de mois Uh, two months. D'accord, je comprends. Et est-ce qu'il y a des autres moments d'isolement pendant l'année dernière ou non uh, Oui, on en a eu du coup en mars et on en a aussi eu en, euh, en octobre. Euh, de mi-octobre à mi-novembre environ. Euh, ouais, euh, mi-novembre, début décembre. Donc, un mois et demi environ, mais c'était pas, on n'avait pas les mêmes, euh, c'était pas le même confinement. On avait euh, plus de temps de sortie et euh, on allait, euh, on allait au lycée par exemple, mais euh, c'est juste qu'après on pouvait pas sortir après le lycée. On avait des attestations, donc c'était, on pouvait aller travailler par exemple, mais sinon on ne sortait pas. Alors qu'en mars on n'allait même pas travailler pour certains métiers et euh, on allait on faisait cours à distance euh, on faisait cours chez nous. D'accord. Mais premièrement pendant le premier confinement les cours sont sur l'internet c'est virtuel ou comment est-ce que ça marchait? Yes. Wow euh, c'était un peu compliqué parce qu'il euh, y avait différentes plateformes comme Zoom, comme d'autres plateformes et euh, on n'avait pas encore euh, de... Comment dirais-je Notre ministère, en fait, n'avait pas choisi une plateforme pour, euh, spéciale pour euh, faire les cours. Donc, en fait, tous les profs allaient un peu sur euh, ce qu'ils pouvaient trouver. C'était une grande période de, de test, en fait, dans le sens où euh, on avait, euh, les profs nous envoyaient des liens et on faisait des classes virtuelles comme nous. Là, on fait une interview, euh, sauf que c'était nos cours, en fait, pour certains profs. Euh, d'autres nous envoyaient juste des cours, d'autres ne nous ont 
rien n'envoyait du tout. Donc, euh, pour certaines, euh, pour certains, certaines euh, matières, on avait euh, tout notre confinement, euh, le premier confinement, euh, la première période d'isolement, elle a été euh, sans cours, par exemple, parce qu'il euh, y a des profs qui n'envoyaient rien. Donc, euh, ah. c'était euh, une grande période de, un peu brouillon, en fait, où vraiment, il n'y euh, avait pas de régularité dans les cours. C'était très, très, très compliqué. Euh, vers la fin, ça s'est amélioré. Les profs, même eux, ont eu des formations qui leur permettaient de mieux gérer tout ce qui était euh, numérique, etc. Mais euh, sinon, euh, au tout, tout début, c'était vraiment euh, pas possible. C'était le bazar euh, sur tous les champs. Mm -hmm. Et est-ce que ça fait le processus d'apprentissage plus facile ou plus difficile euh... Une fois que les cours étaient bien gérés et que tout était bien mis en place, pour certaines matières, c'était beaucoup plus facile parce qu'on pouvait aller à notre rythme. En fait, je pense que les matières où les, dans lesquelles les élèves ont plus de difficultés et ont besoin, de, avant de commencer les exercices, de plus s'imprégner de la leçon, etc., ils pouvaient plus aller à leur rythme. Donc, ça pouvait être plus facile. Alors qu'un élève, et pour un élève qui était, euh, qui était euh, très bon dans cette manière, il pouvait lui aller plus vite. Donc, pour une question de rythme, c'était plus simple parce que chacun pouvait aller à son rythme. Mais d'un côté, euh, ceux qui avaient des difficultés, c'était euh, plus difficile de recevoir de l'aide. Moi, je sais que j'avais énormément de difficultés en maths, en mathématiques. Et heureusement que ma maman avait des petites notions. Mais sinon, j'étais totalement perdue. Et donc, le processus... Euh, en fait, il y avait des bons côtés comme des mauvais. Vraiment, ça dépendait du profil et de la matière. Et aussi, ce qui a beaucoup, euh, bah, ce qui a beaucoup changé, c'est notre manière de gérer notre temps. C'est-à-dire qu'il y a certains cours, comme par exemple le cours d'anglais, euh, qui, euh, d'habitude, en une heure en cours, euh, là, moi, par exemple, je le faisais en 20 minutes. Alors que euh, les maths, euh, sur un temps qui ne devait euh, pas dépasser une heure, je le faisais en deux heures. Donc, euh, notre gestion de l'emploi du temps aussi a totalement changé. Et en ça, je pense que c'était plus compliqué et qu'on s'est retrouvé euh, tous les... Enfin, une grande majorité, en tout cas, des élèves que je côtoie euh, à passer plus de temps à travailler en virtuel qu'en euh, temps normal dans la vie réelle. Mmh. Ouais, je comprends ça. C'est compliqué. Mais... Euh, ah, donc... oui. <rire> tu as mentionné que le maths, c'est plus difficile pour toi particulièrement. Donc, euh, si euh, tu veux parler avec un camarade de classe, un professeur, comment tu as connecté avec tes camarades de classe ou avec ton prof? Est-ce que tu as, est as des moments ou des façons de connecter avec des gens ou, ou non? Euh... Certains profs aménageaient des horaires pour qu'on puisse parler avec eux en tête-à-tête, enfin en tête-à-tête tête virtuelle, je veux dire, que, que le prof et l'élève. Donc, ça, c'était pratique. Mais d'autres ne le faisaient pas et c'était qu'en classe où on pouvait poser des questions. Et encore, on avait une période de temps limitée, donc c'était compliqué. Et sinon, pour les élèves, bah, via les réseaux sociaux, ça, ça a été vraiment les réseaux sociaux. Pour une fois, je me suis vraiment mise à, les, à bien les aimer parce qu'en fait, ça m'a permis de 
parler, d'échanger avec des amis, de, on s'envoyait des photos de nos exercices, c'était rapide, c'était comme être à côté d'eux en fait, et ça, ça a énormément aidé pour le coup, euh, d'un point de vue communication. Après, avec les professeurs, ça dépendait du professeur qu'on avait en face, s'il voulait être là pour nous aider, on trouvait toujours des moyens pour pouvoir parler, etc. Mais si le professeur n'avait pas trop envie ou, euh, ou euh, ne savait pas comment faire aussi, parce que des fois, il ne savait juste pas comment faire avec euh, tout ce qui était informatique, là, c'était beaucoup plus compliqué. Donc, tu as le sens que les réseaux sociaux a fait tes relations existantes plus fortes avec tes camarades de classe bah, en termes de cours, pour, faire, pour partager les cours, etc., oui, c'était beaucoup plus simple. Après, ça ne remplace pas, je veux dire, j'ai fait des appels avec des copines, etc. Ce n'était euh, pas du tout pareil que de les avoir en vrai, mais ça m'a quand, quand même permis de garder un lien et d'avoir un peu l'impression d'être quand même avec mes copains. Quoi. Mmh. Donc, euh, de parler de ça un peu plus, tu as déjà des amitiés, de famille Bien sûr. Donc, tu as déjà des relations existantes. Comment as-tu maintenu le lien ou est-ce que c'est possible de maintenir le lien dans le même format, dans le même sens? Ou... Ouais. Alors, c'est jamais vraiment pareil. Oh non. Oh non. Euh, c'est jamais vraiment pareil, mais on a trouvé des manières, par exemple, euh, euh, avec, euh, mes, avec mes amis, c'était plutôt euh, s'appeler, donc ou alors, euh, là où on parlait plus par message, on s'envoyait plutôt des photos pour avoir nos têtes, pour avoir l'impression d'être les uns à côté des autres. Euh, sinon, c'était... Euh, comment Sinon, ce que je faisais euh, quand on a pu un peu plus sortir, etc., avec ma famille, on s'envoyait des lettres avec ma marraine, par exemple, euh, qui est aussi ma tante. On s'envoyait beaucoup de lettres, de, de cartes, etc., pour garder contact. Et euh, ça nous a fait marrer de revenir à ce genre de choses comme ça. Et, et sur certains points, en fait, le confinement m'a permis d'être, euh, de prendre plus de nouvelles de certaines personnes, souvent de ma famille, parce que du coup, on était, euh, parce que du coup, euh, vu qu'on appelait euh, plein de personnes, on se disait pourquoi ne pas appeler cette personne-là ou à, à qui j'ai pas parlé depuis longtemps. Là où dans la vie de tous les jours, je n'aurais pas pris le temps de me poser, de prendre mon téléphone et de l'appeler. Donc, euh, ça a été beaucoup par le téléphone, mais aussi de temps en temps par tout ce qui était lettres, etc. Mm -hmm. Donc, aussi, tu étais au lycée pendant l'isolement et le confinement. Donc, as-tu fait des applications pour des conservatoires ou des universités ou quelque chose comme ça pendant le confinement Et comment est-ce que ça passait Alors. Pendant, euh, je ne suis pas sûre. En tout cas, euh, forcément, quand on est là pour postuler à, <coughs> à certaines écoles, euh, vu que je fais du théâtre, il fallait euh, souvent passer des auditions ou des choses comme ça. Et du coup, ce qui s'est passé, c'est que ça s'est fait en virtuel. On, on se filmait, en fait, et on envoyait une vidéo au lieu d'aller là-bas et de se présenter. Est-ce que tu sentis que c'est la même, euh, que c'était plus difficile ou plus facile de, de faire ça sur euh, le format virtuel ou non Est-ce que c'était étrange C'était super bizarre. C'est comme euh, quand on est revenu au lycée et qu'on a dû jouer euh, sur un plateau avec un masque. 
ça faisait pas du tout pareil, ça sonnait pas du tout pareil, même le jeu, il n'était pas... Enfin, nous, on faisait pas pareil, on, nous, on ne pouvait pas jouer de la même manière et le public ne pouvait pas le réceptionner de la même manière parce que même si on essayait de sourire euh, derrière ou de faire la tête, ils n'allaient pas forcément le voir ou alors euh, vraiment, il fallait qu'ils regardent bien nos yeux, etc. Euh, pour ce qui était de la, de la vidéo, donc forcément, on se filmait, enfin, moi, je me suis filmée sans masque, mais euh, c'était compliqué parce qu'en fait, euh, moi, j'y ai pris beaucoup moins de plaisir. Donc, je ne sais pas s'ils l'ont ressenti quand ils ont regardé la vidéo, mais je prenais beaucoup moins de plaisir parce que il n'y avait pas... Enfin, par exemple, le théâtre, c'était euh, aussi ce challenge de tu fais une fois, si tu rates, tu rates. Euh, mm. Là, c'est filmé. Donc, euh, si on avait envie de le refaire trois fois, on le faisait trois fois, en fait. Alors, euh, du coup, il y avait cette petite pression, ce petit trac qui, euh, normalement, vient au début et vient nourrir euh, ta prestation qui là était, bah, était pas là ou en tout cas beaucoup moins là donc euh, pour moi ça a été plus difficile et enfin pas forcément plus difficile mais beaucoup moins enfin euh, je pouvais pas appeler ça du théâtre quoi. <rire> ouais non c'est compliqué de faire le théâtre dans un format virtuel parce que c'est pas la même façon de faire le théâtre de jouer ça. ça non c'est vraiment compliqué mais euh, on peut tu as parlé un peu que tu te sentais isolée parce que quand, quand tu habitais avec ta famille et quand tu n'as pas le droit de voir tes amis. Donc, de quelle manière est-ce que ta santé mentale en a-t-elle été affectée? Je pense, euh, pour avoir fait une petite comparaison avant, du, nos, de mes comportements avant, enfin, au début et à la fin, euh, déjà, j'avais forcément, j'habite en ville dans un appartement, donc j'avais pas de lien avec euh, la nature ni avec un, un grand air. Donc à la fois j'étais près de tout ce qui était euh, de tout ce qui était magasin, etc. Et à la fois j'étais loin de la nature, donc je me sentais très isolée du monde en fait, euh, du monde. Enfin, j'étais vraiment je me sentais un peu recroquevillée dans, dans un immeuble. Et du coup, ça, j'avoue que je me suis sentie beaucoup plus, euh, comment, <coughs> sous pression en fait. C'est-à-dire que j'avais besoin de me défouler encore plus que d'habitude parce que j'avais l'impression que je ne sortais jamais et que quoi que je fasse dans ma journée, je ne faisais rien. Du coup, je me suis mise à faire plein de choses comme tous les soirs, je faisais, tous les jours quasiment, je faisais 45 minutes de sport. Parce que euh, j'en avais vraiment besoin, parce que j'avais besoin de décompresser, de, de sortir en fait, de chez moi d'un côté. Et du coup, c'était euh, mon moment où je me mettais dans ma bulle et où vraiment euh, j'étais à fond, à fond dedans. Et je me suis aussi beaucoup mise à la cuisine. Donc, ça me permettait de sortir souvent pour aller faire les courses. Et ça, ça m'a aussi beaucoup aidé. Mais sinon, oui, je pense que ma santé mentale, ça a été, euh, j'avais besoin de, de me sentir active de trouver des choses à faire pour, pour oui, savoir un peu euh, trouver un, je sais pas, un but à mes journées en fait. Parce que sinon, mmh. je me sentais pas bien du tout. C'était, enfin, euh, c'est pas un comportement euh, dépressif, mais c'était de la déprime plutôt. Hein, des petits coups de blues ou des petits, c'était des petits coups de blues et puis d'un coup, tu passais un petit coup de nerf en fait. C'est juste que t'étais pas émotionnellement en fait. Mmh, je comprends. 
Donc, est-ce que tu te... Désolée, il y a un peu de sang dans... <rire> près non, de moi. Pas. Mais euh, donc, tu as, as aussi dit que c'est un peu de, de, de prime. Est-ce qu'il y a un sens de dissocier de le monde ou quelque chose comme ça et que le sport, c'est une façon de se soutenir un peu Oui, alors carrément, c'est ça. En plus, le sport que je faisais, c'était un... En fait, c'était des lives sur Instagram. Et donc, on savait que ce qu'on faisait, il y avait... Euh il y avait euh, je ne sais pas combien de milliers de personnes qui le faisaient en même temps. Donc, tu avais l'impression de sortir de chez toi et de te retrouver avec euh, tous tes potes ou avec plein d'autres gens. Et ça, c'était génial. Donc, euh, les réseaux sociaux a donné un son de communauté un peu. Exactement. En fait, ça a été... Euh... C'est un peu triste, mais euh... ça a été le substitut d'une vie sociale d'un côté, quoi. Non, bien sûr, je, je comprends. Et y avait-il des systèmes de soutien en place fournis par euh, ton école, par la vie d'Angers, pour euh, des étudiants ou peut-être des gens qui euh, souffrent pendant l'isolement euh, Alors, d'un point de vue national, oui, il y en a eu. Il euh, y a eu des, des numéros de téléphone euh, dédiés euh, pour les personnes qui en avaient besoin. Moi, je sais que les psychologues pouvaient faire des rendez-vous téléphoniques donc, il euh, y, y a eu aussi des, des attestations, donc des droits pour que certaines personnes, comme par exemple bah, des personnes atteintes d'un certain handicap, puissent sortir une heure parce que c'était important pour leur santé mentale, justement. Et au fur et à mesure, on a eu le droit de sortir, par exemple, une heure avec… Enfin, on a toujours eu le droit de sortir pour faire nos courses, par exemple, de sortir minimum une heure par jour pour faire… Euh, une activité physique, etc. Mais, euh, mais c'était dans un certain euh, rayon. Pour, enfin, il y avait une certaine distance à respecter euh, de ton domicile, etc. Et puis, euh, et puis, les parcs étaient fermés. Donc, en fait, souvent, tu, tu pouvais te balader dans la rue, quoi. Mais euh, oui, ça a quand même été des petits systèmes, des, des aides, enfin, des, en tout cas, des, des astuces à prendre pour euh, mieux vivre le confinement, quoi. Mmh. Ouais, je, je comprends. Mais euh, après pour donc... la ville d'Angers, je ne sais pas du tout. Euh, et pour l'école, <rire> c'était euh, les professeurs qui, euh, de temps en temps, enfin, moi je sais que j'ai eu des, certains professeurs qui, voilà, euh, chaque début de cours, c'était est-ce euh, que vous allez bien Il y avait un petit sondage et il y avait euh, si vous n'avez pas bien, on en parle à la fin, hein, etc. Mmh. Donc, euh, as peut-être tes relations. On, elle s'en euh, changeait un peu, mais euh, donc peut-être de, de discuter ça un, un peu plus. De quelle manière est-ce que tes relations ont-elles grandi, changé ou adapté pendant le Covid Ou peut-être est-ce euh, qu'il y a quelque chose que tu as appris de la vraie nature de relations euh... Déjà, mes relations ont changé parce qu'il y en a certaines qui ont disparu et il y en a certaines qui, au contraire, se sont euh, renforcées euh, parce que euh, certaines personnes qui, euh, en fait, euh, avec qui tu... Enfin, que tu côtoies juste parce que tu les croises dans les couloirs, bah, là, tu n'as plus du tout de lien avec eux. Et par contre, les autres personnes... Avec... Enfin, je trouvais que dans nos relations... Euh, après le Covid, il y a beaucoup plus eu ce, ce rapport de « est-ce que tu vas bien 
ce rapport de si on ne se voit pas pendant deux semaines, on va vraiment aller prendre des nouvelles de l'autre. Parce qu'on sait que potentiellement, dans deux semaines, on ne va pas forcément le recroiser dans la rue, etc. Euh, moi, je sais que dans mes relations, il y a eu beaucoup plus, que ce soit de mon côté ou du côté de mes amis, de, euh, comment, de, de pas vers l'autre. C'est-à-dire qu'on ne va pas attendre que, qu de se voir. On va vraiment nous-mêmes nous forcer à nous voir. Et on va faire ça de notre propre initiative, en fait. Donc, ça, ça a changé. Et du coup, maintenant, on profite beaucoup plus de passer des moments ensemble. C'est plus on se voit, on reste dans une chambre sur nos téléphones, etc. Non, c'est on se voit, on va dehors, on fait des vraies activités, on partage vraiment des vrais moments ensemble. And that's it for episode two of the COVID Campus Chronicles, broadcast on It Could All Be So Simple and Radio Moon. Make sure to tune into the next episode on CKUT 90.3 FM. A huge thank you to interview subjects Marie and Theo for agreeing to talk to me and being so open about their experiences. Today's episode featured audio samples from Vampire Weekend, Swing Lin, and The Fleet Foxes. All research, interviewing, and audio mixing done by me, Naomi Murney, with overview by Jack Solar, Madeline, and Maya Fortune. You're listening to Radio Moon on CKUT 90.3 FM. It was my pleasure to host today. Thank you for tuning in.